Greetings, surf comrades and friends. I'm Lady Reaver, coming to you from beautiful Berkeley, California, and this is Surf Guitar 101's podcast number eight. This time around, I'll be playing some tunes from bands that are soon to be featured at the upcoming second annual Surf Guitar 101 convention. And I'll also be playing some brand new music off a couple of newly released albums. One is a brand new tune from one of the best East Coast surf bands out there, Baltimore, Maryland's own Atomic Mosquitoes, and their awesome new CD entitled Meltdown. And two of the tracks will be from one of my favorite bands, Satan's Pilgrims. They've just released a fantastic new CD called Sykesploitation. And for your listening pleasure, you'll also be hearing an interview that Warren Binder recorded with Ted Pilgrim, the amazing drummer from the band. Additionally, I've got a really cool surf classic highlight for you, along with a bunch of other great tunes. So let's just dive right in with The Song Remains Insane from Secret Samurai.
Heyman y Mil Máscaras. Los, Los campeones, campeones del justicio.
was Lost in the Shadows from Portland, Oregon band The Verb Tones from their CD, Rock Me Out. We began that set with Secret Samurai's The Song Remains Insane. That was off their CD, Gun Shogun. Secret Samurai was followed by Los Campeones del Justicio from The Ghastly Ones, which is off their CD, A Haunting We Will Go-Go. And finally we heard Paddle or Die from a band called The Surge. All of these bands will be performing at the second annual Surf Guitar 101 convention. Big shout out goes to Jeff Hansen and Tiki Tina, who have once again skillfully and lovingly put the convention together for us. Surf Guitar 101 contributors may know Jeff as Big Tiki Dude. So let's all raise a Mai Tai in thanks and appreciation for all of Jeff and Tina's work. This next set features some more of the lineup that will be performing at this year's convention, starting with Cascadia from San Diego band The Sand Devils.
we started off with the Sand Devils' beautiful tune, Cascadia. That was followed by Maelstrom, from my husband Danny Snyder's band, The Tomorrow Men, featuring the amazing Tony Bald, also known as Tony Baloney, on the drums. That's off their EP, There Is No Now. After that, we heard It's a Bikini World, from the Boardwalkers. And the last song there was Nightwave, from the Detonators. Hopefully many of our listeners will come out and see these great bands play live at this year's Surf Guitar 101 convention on August 1st. It's at the Starting Gate in Los Alamitos, California. Doors open at 11 a.m. and the music will rock all the way till 8 p.m. Okay, now it's time for the first half of Born Binder's interview with Satan's Pilgrim's awesome drummer, Mr. Ted Pilgrim. Please stay tuned. Hey, this is Warren Binder with SurfGuitar101.com. I'm here with Ted from Satan's Pilgrims. Ted, how's it going? Fine, Warren. How are you? Quite well. Thank you for asking. Um, you guys have a new album now. Let's, uh, let's talk about that a bit. How did this new release come about? It's been a while since you've had new material. <laughs> well, yes. About ten years. And um, we started thinking about doing a new album after... Well, we first, um, well, we first recorded new songs for the for the Plymouth Rock Best of compilation, and we did those four songs, and you know, it sort of all came back to us that we really love recording and messing around in the studio. It kind of came out of that, like, hey, we should, if we can, with everyone's schedules and lives, throw together a new, you know, full length record and. Let's time. Let's do something that we've always wanted to do, which is we've always done a couple songs here and there that are more uh, less surfy and more sort of a garage instrumental. Or um, and we did that psychedelic venture for the Ventures tribute, more later '60s sounds, but instrumentally. So the idea sort of was born out of that to do a, um, a psychedelic garage record and. We have it now, unbelievably. It's done. So now we just gotta sell it. <laughs> but the idea, so the idea had been floating around for a while to do an entire album in this style. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, you know, even back before the band started, we were always big surf nuts, but that was always, you know, this sort of other um, garagey, garage band and early psychedelic band stuff was always. Real, we were all real big fans of it. It was it was sort of uh, something we've been waiting to do during um, the '90s when everything was real rushed and we were touring a lot. You know, this is just we sort of needed the chance to step back and go, oh yeah, let's do this. So we did it. Were there particular Northwest bands you looked to for influence in that regard? Jack Beatty and the Chessmen, all the way. Glimmer, glimmer, sunshine. Killer track, man. They also, I mean, they were, they did Double Whammy, which uh, was a little more surfy, frat song, had some whammy bar action in the earlier 60s, but later on they did Glimmer, Glimmer, Sunshine, and um, a couple other tracks that really just put all the meters in the red. Of course, there were um, Mr. Lucky and the Gamblers, all the usual suspects, the Red Coats. Jackie Lee and the Courtman. You know, we just sort of look to them. But of course there's the Kingsmen and the Sonics and the Whalers. Uh, the Whalers got into some psychedelic stuff. Walk Through the People and stuff like that. Kind of that, or that kind of in-between 
you know, pure flat early, you know, garage and, and kind of getting more far out, you know, out of our trees and songs like that. So, but we just, you know, take it all in. It's hard to pin it down on anything, but, but I don't think we sound, uh, you know, it's hard to say what we ended up sounding like if any of that comes through, but those are, those are Northwest bands we like. But. Were there other influences this time around that came out that maybe weren't as present on previous albums? Yeah, I mean, that whole sort of... Uh, well, I think there was always a song or two on the other albums that kind of pointed this way, but, you know, more of the Pebbles compilation, you know, not even Nuggets, but the Pebbles bands. For this album, we were... I've been thinking about it. I mean, there's, there's how you go into it and how you think something's influencing you and then you do your thing and it comes out and it's not necessarily like someone's going to listen to it and say, uh, oh, that's influenced by this because hopefully it does come out differently. I mean, I, if, if it came out exactly how you were influenced, then you'd just be copying somebody. But I think it, we, we like certain things about certain songs or certain bands. And then we do our thing, and it ends up a whole new thing, and sounding a different way, and, and it might sound like someone else. I'm not saying it doesn't sound like, you know, have influences that you see on the surface, but they may not be the ones that we, we had in mind. So that's always fun. Like, that's why we like recording. Let's, let's talk about some particular songs from the, the new album. Were there any that you had written prior to deciding on the theme for the album, I guess, so to speak? Um, no, we all wrote, we wrote all of them, uh, like once we decided to do this, we started writing, you know, long distance for me, and they were all getting together, except, well, there was one that Dave and I, I came up with the original idea for, and Dave helped me in a fun-filled beer-fueled afternoon back in the probably 90, early 90s, just for fun. Um, I was just, just, you know, I'm a bad hack guitar player, and I had an acoustic, and I made up this progression that now is, um, it's turned into a rainy day, green stop sign. But we, we've had this whole vision of starting a spinoff folk rock group called the Folk Rock Fellowship that would perform the song with vocals. I lost, you know, the page of, about what the lyrics were, I, I can remember some of them, but um, especially the re- refrain "Rainy Day, Green Stuff" was repeated a lot during the song. That was somehow I remembered the progression for that, and so it was kind of a private joke between us to actually record it and and put it out. And, you know, it's instrumental and it's got a whole new life of its own. But it's that that's cool that that one lasted through the years. But the rest we we came up with in the last two or three years. This time around, in Rainy Day, Green Stop Signs, perfect example, um, the instrumentation is a lot more varied and unexpected than some previous albums. Um, what was the recording process like? The process was a lot different this time. We had a, um, through just a series of Uncalculated events. Basically, you know, since since we stopped playing together all you know full time in 2000, we all have 
new careers, and a lot of us have our own businesses. I mean, four out of five of us have, no, three out of five of us have our own businesses. And that aside, things happen, and, and one of the things that happened uh, when we uh, stopped playing full-time is Scott partnered up with our friend Eric, who co-produced this record and really helped us out on it. And they put their resources together and started the studio to record mostly commercial jingles and stuff like that. But we were able to use the studio to do this record, and Eric was willing to volunteer his time. So it was the first time that we had that kind of freedom instead of, you know, all the other records were done, you know, when we weren't on tour and we practiced all the songs and write all the songs and practice them and practice them and practice them and practice them. And then book studio time and try to scrape the money together and get about two and a half or three days of studio time. Run in there, spend the first, you know, just lay everything down, get in there and just knock it out as fast as possible. And then, you know, mix and master it and that was it. This time was there was a lot more freedom and sort of a luxury to just take you know, we got I was only available in town in Portland for a short time last summer um, after we played the shows up there and we recorded the, the drums and the bass and the rhythm guitars and some cute you know whatever depending on the song we got whatever we considered the basic tracks down on those but you know all the kind all the kinds of um, the leads or I mean it depends on the song some of the leads were down but there was just a lot more time and a lot more um, chance to listen back to what we've done to decide what else we wanted to do to each song. And especially when you're doing a record like we were attempting to do with, you know, certain effects and certain sound, you know, we needed that time to kind of think about each one. And I think each song kind of has its own mix and has its own sound that, and that we were happy with how that came out. It wasn't just like set all the dials for psychedelic and play all the songs the same, you know, it was like each one with its own little niche within that sub-genre. So we're doing sub-genres of sub-genres of a sub-genre of a genre, which is pretty funny. But um, it was fun. So that was cool. And then as far as the instruments, it definitely, there's a little bit of Jaguar guitar on there. But um, John played a completely different bass. He usually played a silver tone that kind of looks like a mix between a, a Jaguar or, or Jazzmaster body with, I don't know, it kind of reminded me of a Thunderbird, had like a headstock, like a cello or whatever. Or like a Fender, I'm sorry, like a Fender. But anyway, it, he had this weird bastardized silver tone, but this time he played uh, a Gibson hollow body that was like a beautiful green color and he played with his fingers so it was just a real you know it's kind of like what the bass player in the Shadows of Night or one of those bands would have played the guitars we used some Gibson and Guild's hollow bodies um, and Fox 12 string Rickenbacker you know so it's not all the old single coil you know formula there's there's humbucker on there and you might stop listening to this interview right now but you know we, we, we wanted to just do all those kinds of sounds there's not a lot of re- some songs have reverb some not so much and 
just depends on what we thought each song needed. Try to think what else. Oh, then the rainy day has the the electric sitar and and then like the organ is pretty much what we always used either a Farfisa or a Vox or Hammond depending on the song and um, a little bit of harpsichord that was new lots of bells and chimes that was new for psychedelic records so but yeah it was it was more involved definitely than than doing it you know the surf records we did in the 90s it's more of studio thing so that's that's how I came out. Was there a particular style? With, I mean, you mentioned subgenre, 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 blah, blah, blah. Was there a particular style of psychedelia you were sort of going for? Well, no. Well, because I think each song kind of falls in a different spot there. I think it just goes song to song. I mean, like, we already talked about Radio Day, Green Stuff Sign, that has more of a folk rock feeling with like the birds and stuff but I think like the sitar lead and the other parts of it kind of um, take it to like the super psychedelics ventures you know or later ventures other songs I, I, I hear all kinds of stuff but when I say I hear certain things I'm always wrong I hear weird things so but I mean it's like what I was saying earlier I always like to hear what people say they hear when they hear it, you know, what, what influences they hear, but I'm always like, wow, I didn't notice that at all. I always thought of it as being like this, but it's probably somewhere in between. Well, there's the two covers. There's In the Past and there's By We the People, um, which was also covered by the Chocolate Watch Band. I think we kind of did it. We took things from both versions and then sped it up. And uh, also added like a little surf to it too and um, and I think a couple other songs have some chocolate watch band sounds and uh, influences to them um, and the other cover is Kaleidoscope which is by Peter Pan and Good Fairies but they're pretty much a studio band from what I can tell but there's nothing wrong with that um, you know the other ones range from like you know obscure stuff or not so obscure, you know, but more, you know, it's like Teddy and his patches, or, you know, other pebbles, just, you know, garage obscurities, up to, like, you know, real mainstream psychedelic stuff, like Donovan, or, you know, even, like, middle-of-the-road stuff, like the Association, or stuff, stuff like that, so, we wanted to kind of cover that whole thing that was going on, I mean, sure, there was, like, crazy lowbrow garage psychedelic and then there was like studio stuff that was cool too so you know we we sort of all threw that all in when we were writing and you know kind of what came out what the songs that made it all the way to the end up being on the record kind of go through all those things all those different influences Thanks for another great interview, Warren. And special thanks to Ted Pilgrim, not just for the interview, but for all the years of awesome drumming and wonderful music he and his band have given us fans. Let's listen to some brand new Satan's Pilgrims right now. This first song is called Psychagogo Psycho.
that fabulous song was Mosquito Royale, a new tune from Baltimore band Atomic Mosquitoes off their truly excellent and highly recommended new CD entitled Meltdown. If you haven't heard it yet, you definitely need to go check that out. And of course we started off the set with two brand new songs off of Satan's Pilgrim's Essential new CD, Psychsploitation. The first song there was Psychagogo Psych Out, followed by In the Past. And after those two tracks, I also played you a slightly more rare Satan's Pilgrim's tune, which comes off of a Herb Alpert tribute album entitled Surf and Senorita. That particular song was their version of Alpert's Green Peppers. Okay, comrades, now it's time for a surf classic highlight. This time around, I'm featuring the amazing flamenco surf song Malaguena from Minneapolis, Minnesota band The Trashmen. Malaguena comes off of the Trashmen's album Surfin' Bird, which was recorded in 1963 and became a number one hit in the U.S. and in several other countries around the world as well. But the reason I wanted to play this particular song is because the Trashmen are so often overlooked as being nothing more than a novelty act. It seems that within the brief span of time in America, just after the assassination of JFK and just before the British invasion of the Beatles, novelty songs such as Surfin' Bird and Papa Oom Mau Mau are what people were really into listening to. 
And that's how this band is best remembered to this very day as a result. But when you really listen to the quality of playing on this song, and realize how unique their arrangement of Malaguena is, it proves that they were not just a novelty act, but that the Trashmen were also a group comprised of truly talented surf musicians. A little background on the song, Malaguena was originally a movement from the Suite Andalusia, which was written by Cuban composer Ernesto Licuona, who incidentally also wrote another song that's very popular with surf musicians and fans. Song called The Breeze and I. Okay, time enough for a couple of random sets featuring songs both old and new. This next song is Orbitron from the Meltones, with my talented friend Mel Waldorf on guitar. Thank you. 
At the top of that set was Orbitron from the Meltones, which was followed by fantastic Slovenian surf band The Bitch Boys, doing a version of the 1980s pop tune Take On Me. That's a song that was originally written and performed by Norwegian new wave band Aha. And if I remember correctly, the boys of Aha were the kind who once sported those you know, seriously sprayed and teased 1980s hairdos. Uh, after that, we heard uh, Bayad from Dutch surf rockers, The Ape Men. And finally, the last song there was a classic surf tune called Rampage by an Atlanta, Georgia band called St. John and the Cardinals. Okay, to continue with the classic vibe, going into our last set of tunes for this podcast, here's Fiberglass Jungle from The Crossfires.
we started off with the awesome surf classic Fiberglass Jungle by The Crossfires. That was a band that made only one surf style recording before renaming themselves The Turtles. And of course cashing in by making painfully sappy songs like Happy Together in the 1960s. After The Crossfires I gave you Point of No Return by Norwegian 1990s era instro group Kari and the Cavemen. That's from their album Jet Age. And that was followed by Inciende and El Infierno from fantastic Belgian surf rockers 50 Foot Combo. And that last tune was Besame Mucho from the Huntington Cads. And speaking of the Huntington Cads, you'll need to mark your calendars if you want to see the Cads play their reunion show. It's on August 14th at this year's Tiki Oasis at the Crown Plaza in San Diego. Well, comrades, that's it for this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope I finally get to meet many of you at this year's Surf Guitar 101 convention. Again, it's on August 1st at the Starting Gate in Los Alamitos, California. Now, as the fog begins to roll in over the Pacific here in Northern California, for our last song I'll be bringing you a classic first wave surf tune from 1962. This is from a band called The Hunters, playing a song entitled The Storm. surf comrades until we meet at the convention or simply until the next podcast. For surfguitar101.com, this has been Lady Reverb, who hopes you'll keep your music alive, the love in your heart, and that reverb tank in good working order.